Uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us tonight. Thank you, Brad, for leading us in communion as well. So appreciate you guys. Man, how cool is it to be in the upstairs hall? Isn't this cool? I, I was just, um, I think we were talking to a couple of people before the service. I'm not actually sure when the last time there was a service held up here. I think it's been quite a while. Would you know, Richard? No? Years and years. Yeah, right. So you guys are part of something historic tonight. Isn't that exciting? Uh, and um, also, uh, uh, we've got a few people that have, uh, have come from overseas, and this is their first time back with us. I think Nicole has just come back from Australia. So if you hear her with a bit of an Aussie twang, that's why. Uh, Calvin and Amanda have just come back from the U.S. of A. USA, USA. It's a great country. If you didn't know, uh, we'll tell you about it. <laughs> and um, also, Kim has just come back from Israel. So I think Kim might get the award for the furthest distance traveled to come to the service tonight. Does anybody come further than Israel? Hey, it's all yours, Kim. <laughs> if I had a chalky bar, I'd, I'd toss it to you. <laughs> Well, hey, it is a really great night to be in church because tonight we are actually beginning the very last series of 2022, which is, yeah, yeah, you know, I was, I was kind of reflecting, did you know this is actually our 10th sermon series of this year, and I actually, I, I was just kind of going through the, the sheet and I got curious, I actually counted tonight is actually our 46th 6 p.m. service this year, which means we have gone some places together. Isn't that cool? So that just gets me really excited about next year and um, what we're going to get into next year. But man, I'm just so looking forward to beginning this new series tonight. They say hope begins in the dark. And that was never more true than long ago on a dark and starry night in Bethlehem when the glow of humanity's sunrise over sin and death lay swaddled in Mary's arms. On that silent night, that holy night, Christ the Savior was born. The story of Christmas is a story about God coming to be with us more truly and more fully than ever before. But Christmas is also about something else. The story of Christmas is a story about hope. And so for the next three weeks, what we're going to be doing is we are going to be exploring the hope that is found in the story of Jesus' birth and how that hope acts like an anchor to our hearts and reminds us that when God is with us, all is calm and all is bright. So tonight, I'm going to be sharing a little bit of the Christmas story, mainly from the book of Luke, chapters 1 and 2. Some of these passages might be familiar to some of you. And I've included the full passages in your sermon notes, so you can find those in the YouVersion app. And I'm going to be speaking out of these passages, but we won't necessarily be going through these passages line by line tonight. And tonight, there's some parts of the story that I've actually dramatized a little bit, which has required a little bit of imagination. And so 
My disclaimer for tonight is that while I am presenting what I believe is the heart of the story of Christmas, I'm not trying to make any absolute theological statement tonight. And that's the Lord's exclamation mark on that. <laughs> I'm slightly afraid now. <laughs> Instead of making absolute theological statements, what I am hoping to do tonight is to try to bypass what you think you know about the Christmas story and to instead sweep your heart up into the beauty of it. And so as we begin this exciting series called All is Bright, it is also my hope that you will see that Christ was born to us so that hope could be born within us. But before we get into talking about that tonight, let's take a moment, let's bow our heads, and let's pray. Ah, Jesus, here we are again, the end of another year, reflecting on the beauty and the amazing story of your birth. And Lord, tonight as we uh, dive into this story, Lord, I pray that there would be fresh manna for us tonight. Lord, that there would be things about this story that we've never seen before, we've never really realized before. And Lord, that those realizations would be like nourishment to our soul. Lord, where we came in tonight, we didn't even realize that we were hungry, and yet we walk out satisfied by you. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to stir hearts in this place, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, release grace on my words tonight as I share. And I pray that together we would touch something of the beauty of the hope of this amazing story. And so, Lord, we give you this time tonight. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. And we say, have your way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you look back at the earliest days of humanity, if there's one thing that we've always been a little bit short on, it's hope. When Adam and Eve made their choice, sin and death entered the world. And from that point on, nothing would ever be the same again. Human life that God made eternally would now end prematurely. Relationships that God had made for unity would now experience shame and flee. And the world that God made in harmony would be ripped apart by brutality. Three chapters of Genesis was all it took. Three chapters for everything to fall apart. And honestly, the story got a little bit grim after that. A jealous brother murdering over here. A world filled with violence over there. An evil pharaoh over here and enslaved people over there. A lost and wandering nation over here, yet another crooked king over there. Weeping prophets over here, God abandoned over there. Religiosity and politicking over here. 400 years of silence over here. Sin in me over here. Sin in you over there. And in the midst of such inescapable brokenness, such profound brutality and such enduring darkness, darkness, 
perhaps it was hard for anyone to truly believe in a better tomorrow. But there were whispers along the way. Across the generations of the Old Testament, we find whispers of hope that suggested that God wasn't quite finished with us just yet. In fact, it seemed he was only just getting started. You may have bruised their heel, God said, to the deceiving serpent. But there is one coming who will crush your head. Through your offspring, God said to Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, God said to King David, I will raise up one of your sons and I will establish his throne forever. Behold, God said to the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. A whisper to one generation here, a whisper to another generation over there. But still, they were only really whispers. After all, years had come, years had gone. And still, the promise of these whispers seemed no closer to today than it had ever been. Day followed day, night had followed night, always in the same way with the same deferred hope. Until one night came along. It was not the same as the night before, nor was it like all the nights that had gone before that one. And now that this silent night, this holy night, had finally come, nothing would ever be the same again. The book of Proverbs wisely observed in chapter 13 that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think all of us, we know this, even from our earliest days. You know, it's like when you go shopping with mom and you think you're almost done and then she turns over the list and you realize, oh, there's a page too. <laughs> it's when you're waiting for a turn on the swing and mean Susie comes over and takes your spot. So you kick her. <laughs> because your heart's sick. <laughs> it's when your parents bring home KFC for dinner and you find out that the staff have forgotten the mashed potatoes, the absolute Muppets. <laughs> how was my Kiwi slang? Was that good? Muppets? I wasn't sure like, how severe that was, so I, I was feeling a little nervous rolling it out, but you guys seem to have responded well to it. <laughs> so that's good. Nobody's getting fired today. Uh, you know, I remember this one time I was, I was home for, for Christmas in the States, and it was December 21st, know that because it was my brother-in-law's birthday, and um, my niece, Paisley, who was five years old at this time, she's sitting on the chair next to the Christmas tree, and she's got her head in her hands, and so that looked a bit concerning, so I went over, I said, hey, Paisley, is everything okay? And she goes, Uncle Josh, I'm so sad. I said, okay, well, why are you so sad? She said, well, I really want to open these Christmas presents. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, there's only a few days until Christmas, Paisley. She goes, yeah, but I want to open them now. <laughs> I'm so sad, Uncle Josh. <laughs> 
you know, there's, there's just something about my poor niece just coming in and seeing all these beautiful wrapped gifts sitting under the tree and knowing that there was three whole days until she could open them. And it just made her little heart sick. She was so sad, Uncle Josh. <laughs> you know, nobody likes having their hope deferred. That's true for my niece. I think it's true for all of us too. Nobody likes finding out that the thing that we are hoping for is going to take longer than we would like. It's disappointing. And you know what? I get sad, just like my niece was, when I have to wait longer than I expected for something that I am hoping for. But the hope deferred that I've experienced in my life (laughs) is nothing compared to the hope that was deferred for thousands of years where God was promising to this prophet over here and this king over there across the pages of the Old Testament and promising that he was going to send a descendant who was going to undo all of the damage that sin had done. You want to talk about waiting. Abraham went his entire life without seeing the promise that God had given him fulfilled. Prophets like Daniel or Isaiah or Ezekiel, they caught glimpses of this hope, but they never lived to see it in their lifetimes. And generations of Jewish people, they came and they went and they passed on the stories of these whispers. And as a people, they were collectively heartsick with waiting and with longing for this coming Messiah who would save them once and for all. And so when we talk about the Christmas story, unless you comprehend, unless you get your head around this heart sickness that was literally felt across generations, then you will never appreciate the impact of what it meant on that starry night in Bethlehem when the longing that was deferred for so long suddenly gave way to a longing that was realized. On that holy night when Christ was born, something else was born too. Hope. Christ was born to us so that hope could be born within us. Now the first sign that this era of heart sickness was drawing to a close came on an ordinary night in an ordinary town called Nazareth where an ordinary girl named Mary was about to have an experience that was anything but ordinary. But you know, if there's one thing that I know about God, is that he seems to love using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You see, God had sent out one of his most trusted messengers, an angel named Gabriel. And the message that God gave to Gabriel would be concerning one of the most consequential events in all of history. The ordinary girl Mary was about to be caught up in the extraordinary plan of God to rescue his beloved people from their sin. But Mary was going to need a little bit of a heads up since her life was going to look a little bit different than the one that she was probably imagining for herself. So there she was one night getting ready for bed in the fading light of the day. Mary had lit an oil lamp in the corner of the room so that she could see for just a little bit longer to finish the last leg of her bedtime routine. And as she bent down, she noticed the shadows around the room flicker as a gentle breeze seemed to stir about the room. She glanced up at the oil lamp 
unsure where the breeze had come from. And then, as she looked, the flame flickered once more, and then, as suddenly, as if someone had blown it out with a sudden flame was extinguished, and darkness engulfed the room. Mary stared. She glanced around the room. Where had that breeze come from? She took a step towards the lamp. Strange. Suddenly a blinding light erupted from the direction of the lamp. Mary threw her hands up to cover her eyes. What was happening? She took a step backwards, stumbled, reached out to break her fall. And as her hands came away from her face, she gasped. There, standing in the corner, was a man. Or at least, what seemed like a man. But Mary had never seen a man shine like the sun before. She thought suddenly of the stories of old, the stories that had been repeated to her in so many ways, in so many places, as a little girl. Was this man an angel? And then he began to speak. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary was confused and afraid. Mostly afraid. She stared. The man spoke again and said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary suddenly found herself thinking of Joseph. Sweet Joseph. She couldn't wait to marry that man. Mary swallowed hard, then finding her voice said, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The glowing man nodded. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was once called barren. The angel smiled and opened his arms wide and said, For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary watched him for a moment. The longer she stood in this man's presence, the more at ease she felt. It was hard to place the feeling exactly. It reminded Mary of the feeling she had as a little girl when her mother would brush her hair, or of glowing sunsets, baked bread, or the way her grandfather's eyes would crinkle when he laughed. It was a feeling like home. Without really knowing why, she knew she could trust this man's words. It was as if she had always known, like some deep part of her soul was awakening to what it was always meant to do. In some profound and simple way, Mary knew she was born for this, this moment and this call, and that God had chosen her.
Mary inclined her head, and as she did, she felt a tear slide down her cheek. Behold, she said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. At this, the angel smiled, and the room seemed to brighten for a moment before the man and the sunshine that seemed to have come in with him faded away until the room was darkness once more. Mary stared at the spot where the man had been, her eyes trying to readjust to the sudden dark. She jumped as with a small puff, the oil lamp that had blown out suddenly reignited. And as she stood within its flickering glow, she realized that something inside of her seemed to have reignited too. Hope. Hope that God was about to do something amazing for her, for her people, and for the whole world. Though the darkness of the night had once more engulfed her room, within her soul at least, Mary felt as though all was calm and all was bright. The book of Luke tells us that Mary goes on to visit with her relative Elizabeth, who at this time is six months into a miraculous pregnancy of her own. And it says that when the sound of Mary's voice reaches Elizabeth's wrinkled ears, it says that the unborn John the Baptist leaps, leaps with joy within her womb. Even in the womb, his joy for his Lord could not be contained. And so Elizabeth, she cries out to Mary and she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt with joy. And then Elizabeth says this profound line to Mary. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary believed that God really would do what he said he would do. Mary had hope. And you know, hope is one of the most powerful substances in the whole universe. The Apostle Paul lists it right up there with things like faith and love. But while faith can move mountains, and love never fails, hope is something different. Hope is that peaceful assurance that with God at least, the best is still yet to come. And it was. On the night, it was not like any of the other nights before it. A group of shepherds watched in awe as the starry sky above them suddenly erupted with the light and the glory of the Lord. An angel appeared, perhaps the same angel whose light lit up the room of an ordinary girl not so long before that. And the angel proclaimed to the shepherds that the one who the prophets and the kings of old had whispered about for generations had finally arrived. Jesus the Christ was born. They would find him laying in a manger in Bethlehem. 
And so the shepherds, they hurried to Bethlehem in the middle of the night, searching until they found Mary and Joseph. And upon entering the room, I imagine their eyes couldn't help but fall upon the gently stirring bundle laying swaddled in the manger. Perhaps as they looked with wonder upon this little baby boy whose birth was announced by the host of heaven itself, they couldn't help but feel something of that contagious belief that Elizabeth saw in Mary, the belief that God really would fulfill everything that he had spoken. Perhaps in that moment, as they looked with wonder, they realized something more truly and more fully than ever before. That Christ was born to us so that hope could be born within us. Would you guys stand to your feet with me? So four years ago, my father-in-law was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive cancer. And from the time that he first noticed that something seemed to be wrong to the time that he was in a wheelchair was about four weeks. And so early on, things were looking pretty grim. And so Sarah and I, we flew to America and we were wondering if we were heading home to say goodbye. Four years later, through the ups and the many downs of surgeries, radiation, chemotherapy, diet changes, which Doug says was the worst part, (laughs) and a whole lot of prayer, he's still here. And you know what? He's still sick. But if there's one thing that I have watched him fight for over and over again over the last four years, it's hope. Hope that he will live and not die. Hope for a better tomorrow and hope that whatever tomorrow happens to look like, that he might at least be able to bring a little encouragement to someone else who needs some hope too. Life can give us a lot of reasons to feel like hope is just simply unrealistic. But I believe that hope isn't just wishful thinking, it's not positive self-talk. Hope is a gift from God. It's something powerful, something dynamic. It is a sunshine that defies all of the storm clouds of this life and it keeps on shining even when it doesn't seem to make sense. And so maybe you're here tonight and you're feeling a bit short on hope. Maybe there's been some things this year gone a little differently than you expected. Maybe there's some things that went a little differently than you'd hoped. And that hope deferred, it can make us feel a little bit heartsick. And that's real. But while there's no doubt that this life can give us a whole lot of reasons to feel heartsick, the truth of the Christmas story is that despite all of them, we can still lock eyes with that little baby boy laying in that manger and be reminded that with God at least, 
we can be sure that the best is still yet to come. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to finish tonight in some singing. And as we do, what I want you to to do is I want you to invite God to set the eyes of your heart upon that child born to us, that little Emmanuel laying in that manger, the hope of the world, and to allow his hope to reignite something on the inside of you again. So Father, I thank you tonight that you are a God of hope. That hope is a person. And that he arrived to be with us 2,000 years ago. And he's never left us. Lord, I thank you for your spirit who's here tonight. Your presence here tonight. And God, we need some hope. We need some hope. We're welcome.